surfs up, fellow travelers and adventure seekers. This is a continuation of our series on the Hawaiian Islands. If you missed our previous episode on the east side of Big Island, make sure you check that out. On this episode, we're covering the west side. Kona was our home base as we explored the west side of the island, and although we didn't find as many waterfalls on this side as we did on the Hilo side, we did find some remote beaches, great snorkeling, and one restaurant so close to the water, we got a refreshing ocean spray as we enjoyed the sunset. Stick around to hear about our favorite adventures and what we wished we had done differently. Set your tray table to the upright position, buckle in, try not to snuggle too closely to the person sitting next to you, and most importantly, don't make eye contact to the person making a beeline for the bathroom as you're about to listen to this week's Weekend Wallahans podcast, where it's all about aspiring to live every day like it's the weekend. Jason here. I'm Rachel. And together we are the Weekend Wallahans. Thanks for joining us on episode six of the Weekend Wallahans podcast. This is a continuation of our Hawaii mini-series. More specifically, we're diving into the west side of the Big Island on this episode. This is the second half of our adventures on Big Island. If you missed our episode on the east side of Big Island, check out episode 5 for all things Hilo. So we'll be covering mostly the Kona side of Big Island on this episode. But before we get there, we did make a stop on our way from Hilo over to Kona at Volcanoes National Park. What were your first impressions of the park? You mentioned in episode five that Big Island had a sciency personality. This was exactly what I was thinking about when I said that it was sciency. We could have spent so much more time at Volcanoes National Park. We just didn't plan ahead of time. We just didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. I thought that the park wasn't going to be as big as it actually was. I thought we'd drive up to the park, pay for parking, park right next to a volcano, take a look, and then just head on out. But this park was so much bigger. There were multiple hiking trails that you could spend. You could spend multiple days doing these hikes. I feel like we did get a good dose of what there was to offer. We hiked a little bit around the Crater Rim Trail. That was kind of cool. We did do a lot of walking. We also ventured into the Thurston Lava Tube, which was cool, but also a little creepy. It reminded me of our adventures into the caves. From the Hilo side, which we talked about on the last episode. But the difference, I think, on this one was that at least these ones were well lit. True. And there were other people around, lots of other people around. I thought it was really helpful to start out at the Kilauea Visitor Center because as you can tell we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into so there was a uh, informative movie that we were able to watch and it gave us the history of the volcano and what we were about to explore so that was neat. It was neat to see the part that the volcano has played in the development of the island of Hawaii. We went to the sulfur banks which smelled like eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Since Kilauea is an active volcano, there are steam vents and steam is coming through these vents. I have learned that steam is hot. (laughs) There's an ongoing inside joke with Jason and I. Would you like to tell the story about steam? So when we first got married, Rachel was cooking and I don't know what she was thinking, but we had a pot on boil uh, and 
We knew it was done because it started steaming and whistling through the top. And Rachel simultaneously asks me if steam is hot as she puts her finger over the pouring out steam and says, yeah, it's it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned. So she knew to stay away from the steam vents on top of an active volcano. As you're walking through this park, it gives you a sense of the magnitude of the volcano because we were far from the crater, still seeing these steam vents pouring out and you just knew that below you, there was huge amounts of heat pouring out of the earth and it gave you, you know, respect for, for the volcanoes. It was a little unsettling. I remember we just kept thinking, we're standing on an active volcano, which at the time we were there, there was visible lava at the summit. And so it was just a little like, should we be here? I don't think that we understood that until we saw that lava. So we're standing at the summit at this museum and they have these telescope contraptions. It's kind of like when you go to New York City or anywhere where there's a beach or a large body of water, they always have those pay a dollar, see the seagulls kind of binoculars. You could look through and you could see gurgling lava in the summit of this volcano. I think after seeing that, we kind of looked at each other and thought, this is dangerous. That was definitely the highlight of being there. The Jagger Museum at the summit had a lot of neat exhibits. Unfortunately, it's now closed due to earthquakes that happened, but we had the opportunity to experience it and see this lava. One of the park rangers that was there the day that we went said, if you had come yesterday, you wouldn't have seen this lava bubbling up. And that was just another realization to us like, wow, this is happening right now. When we were done playing Bill Nye the Science Guy. And girl. <laughs> we took our two hour and 15 minute drive from Volcanoes National Park over to Kona down the south side of the island. And when we got to Kona, I felt like we were back in what I would picture Hawaii to be like. Do you feel the same way? Yes, I would agree with that. Kona was definitely more established and I felt more welcome because there were more tourists. <laughs> <laughs> I would have thought that there would have been more beaches though. I mean, for an island that hosts the surfing championships, the Ironman triathlons... You see a lot of this island on TV and it seems like there's a lot of beaches. I just felt like they were one, harder to get to, or two, they were filled with lava rock and it wasn't a traditional beach. I think coming from Maui where we knew we could just park along the side of any road and have access to a beach set our expectations up to be able to do the same on Big Island and I didn't feel like that was the case. I felt like we had to search for a beach that was an established beach. You're supposed to be here. It's not just park anywhere. We did find some fantastic beaches for sure. And Jason has one particular that he nonstop talks about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> because it's my favorite beach in the world. The beach is called Makalawena Beach. But let me tell you how you got to get there. It's north of Kona. 
And there are two beaches right next to each other. So you have Makalawena Beach, but then you also have Mahiua Beach. Now, Mahiua Beach is the easier beach to get to, but both of them are down this about mile and a half access road, but it's littered with potholes. When Jason says littered with potholes, they were everywhere. Everywhere. We... (laughs) We're driving a Ford Mustang convertible, which was great for car karaoke, not so great for this access road. We took the the car, but we had to go unbearably slow. So slow, in fact, that other people had parked their cars at the beginning of the access road and just decided to walk. They walked faster than we did. Fortunately, we had AC and they did not. (laughs) (laughs) We mentioned on episode three that there was a beach that we couldn't access on Kauai during sunset because we were driving a Ford Mustang. We did not let that deter us in this instance. But like Rachel said, there were people passing us that were walking because we were going so slow. Yet again, we would recommend getting a Jeep. (laughs) Definitely. This is another downside of having a convertible in Hawaii. Once you get down the access road, there's going to be a parking lot for Mahiua Beach. This beach is a beautiful beach. It has facilities there, picnic tables. It has good shade on one side of the beach for palm, from palm trees, but that's usually where people stop, so there's going to be more people on that beach. What you've got to do is make the effort to walk the half mile through the lava field at the north side of Mahiua Beach. It was only a half a mile? (laughs) It felt like a lot longer because we were carrying stuff and we had just spent a half an hour in the car going a mile and a half. But it is only a half a mile. It's terribly hot because you're walking through a lava field. You have this black lava rock, so it's like blacktop, and the sun is beating down, and the heat is radiating off of it, and you're walking through it, so you can imagine you're hot too. But you do know at the end of the lava rock trail is the beach. And when we got to that beach, we were the only ones there. It was awesome. If you can't already tell, this is the beach that Jason has a beach crush on. (laughs) (laughs) We get to this beach. It's got powdered sugar for sand. It is so remote that, you know, no one else has given the effort to get there. Well, not so fast. There were three people that came about 20 minutes after we had gotten all set up, claimed our spot, and they legitimately set up an arm's length away on this beach that is a mile long and there's no one there. And I mentioned in episode one of our travel pop quiz that this is one of my pet peeves, people and beach etiquette. Biggest pet peeves in life for Rachel, particularly when you're on such a large beach and they choose to be so close. Aside from those people, this was such a fantastic experience that I talk about it pretty much all the time when we talk about our favorite beaches or we talk about Big Island. This was the highlight of Big Island for me. And my recommendation, aside from going to this beach, that's a given, but I would also recommend taking food 
and water and being able to sustain yourself for a whole day because it's a trek to get there. It's worth it, but you don't want to get there and then only have to turn around and and leave. I think we had our PB&Js with us, but that didn't give us enough energy to sustain us for the entire day. There was a beach that was a lot easier to get to called Manino Wali Beach. The downside of that, it meant there were a lot more people. We did go there on our last day, and it was a nice beach. There were restrooms, which I can always appreciate because I have a TTB or a teeny tiny bladder. (laughs) And there were food trucks along the access road, which was great. Plenty of parking. If you're looking for a family-oriented beach, this was definitely it. There are other adventures to find on Big Island as well. We did a couple of those. Prior to getting to Big Island, we booked through Adventures in Paradise a kayak and snorkel tour at Kealakekua Bay. The reason we booked this tour was because we wanted to see the Captain Cook Monument and be able to snorkel in this bay area. We had a really animated tour guide. He was fantastic. He actually asked us if we were professional kayakers. <laughs> it was kind of cool. One of the things that we definitely remember, not because we are or pretend to be, but because we did so well, I guess, or better than the average tourist. There are only two ways to see the Captain Cook Monument. The first way would be hiking through somewhat tumultuous grounds to get to it. It's pretty lengthy and dangerous hike, or at least that's what our tour guide told us. Maybe he was just trying to sell more tickets. I'm not sure. But the second way is via the bay, and that's the route that we took. We were interested in seeing this monument because we knew that Captain Cook had some influence on the history of Hawaii, and we wanted to learn more about it. So the gist of it is that Captain Cook was a European captain traveling across the sea, you know, exploring new lands. And at this time in history, the Hawaiian people really valued their cultural gods. And one of those gods was set, said to sail the seas uh, with a huge, massive ship. And that's exactly what Captain Cook had. So when he showed up to the island of Hawaii, they believed that he was a god and they treated him as such and he welcomed that until they realized that he wasn't and they chased him off the island brutal battle and uh he died there if you want to learn more about that i definitely recommend doing it there's many more details that i'm missing but it was a cool story and cool to have an enthusiastic tour guide telling it The snorkeling that we experienced on Maui was top-notch, so we wanted to experience snorkeling on Big Island as well, and we were not disappointed because this Bay Area, what we found out was actually what Finding Nemo's reef and animation was based off of. No, we did not find Nemo in our snorkeling adventure, but Jason did see an octopus, which I'm really jealous that I did not see it. It was pretty cool. Definitely some awesome sea life. If you're interested in snorkeling, but you're not interested in kayaking, there are other places you could go. One of the places that we went was called Two Step. 
which legitimately was two steps into the water in order for you to snorkel. We were really intrigued to learn how it got its name and somewhat disappointed once we realized that it was so simple of a name. The snorkeling was really great, though. I think the only downside here was that it was somewhat crowded, both on the rocks above the beach area. If you're interested in laying out, it's kind of crowded there. And the water was crowded with both snorkelers and scuba divers. The rocks were really slippery, too, if I remember. And I feel like I got kicked in the face by somebody. Two Step is located in a National Historic Park. That park is called, forgive me here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pronounce this. It's called the Pu'uhonua O How Now Park, otherwise known as the City of Refuge. We went to the City of Refuge and there was actually a presentation that the tour guide sat everybody down and had us pronounce this name over and over again, but it did not stay in our brains clearly because it is kind of a hard thing to say. (laughs) It's called the City of Refuge because again, looking back at Hawaiian culture, if you were to break kapu, which is essentially sacred law. So if you were to break the law, you would be guilty of whatever punishment the king in that area would have for you, unless you could make your way to the city of refuge. There were multiple ways to do that, but you were essentially running from the crime that you committed, getting to the city of refuge, and taking repentance there. The city of refuge was a beautiful place. There were a lot of sculptures and fun things to take pictures with and a really great way to learn about Hawaiian culture. This was right on the water and I think that was intriguing for us. It was a beautiful day when we went. Being right on the water was critical. That factored into the story I told earlier about repentance. So one of the ways that people could get to the city of refuge, one of the main ways that they would get there was taking a swim from the nearest town at the time, which was several miles, I think over 10 miles. And what it meant if you could make it, if you could survive that swim, was that you were worthy of repentance. They didn't have any goggles at that time either. (laughs) Or snorkels. A swim like that would make me hungry. So let's talk about food. We did our normal routine. We went to the grocery store, stocked our Airbnb full of food, but we did venture out to a few dinners. Not all of them were fantastic, but some of them were pretty good. Why don't we start with kind of the ones that were hit or miss? Jackie Ray's Ohana Grill wasn't our favorite place. It had a cool atmosphere where you could write and color on the table. I think that was the best thing about it though. We did end up getting a free dessert because my meal wasn't cooked correctly. So I guess take that for what it's worth. They had great customer service, but the food was just okay. Bianelli's Gourmet Pizza and Pasta was pretty good food. The atmosphere was okay. We did sit outside, which was cool because the weather was great that night. But it was kind of in a strip mall type area. We went to another restaurant that did have a fun atmosphere, and it was the Kona Brewing Company restaurant, which was in an industrial park, and it had bands playing. We sat outside. They make pretty good beer, and you can get the beer anywhere. We still 
get that here in Maryland. But our favorite place to eat overall, both atmosphere and food, was Huggo's. Hands down, the best. It was so delicious. We had the most amazing server. He was so fun. And one of my favorite things, it had a great sunset view. If you can combine great food with a sunset view, Rachel's going to eat at your restaurant every day of the week. In addition to the sunset view, we had the ocean splashing on us. We learned a fun fact that now restaurants can't build as close to the ocean, but Huggo's was grandfathered into the clause. If a restaurant were to build there now, it'd have to build about 100 feet further back. We're wrapping up the west side of the island, and we covered the east side of the island on our previous episode. But before we truly wrap up Big Island, we can't not talk about Waipio Valley. Somehow I didn't come across Waipio Valley in my research prior to going to Big Island. Luckily, the old men that we encountered from our last episode with the Malasadas bestowed some great advice to us about going here. We had originally decided not to go. Another day during our adventures, we had contemplated going and again decided not to. On our last day on Big Island, we said, we gotta go or we're gonna regret it. Boy, are we glad we did. This was a beautiful place. If you've ever seen the movie Waterworld, then you're familiar, even if you don't know it, with YPO Valley. The scene at the end where they finally find land, spoiler alert on a 25-year-old movie, is YPO Valley. It's a huge canyon-esque looking place where you have a nice beach at the front and at the back of the valley you have a huge waterfall. But in order to get there, you have to park at the top of the valley unless you have four-wheel drive, and walk the road down to the beach. Have you ever imagined what it would be like to walk up a wall? (laughs) Go to YPO Valley and do that walk back to your car, and that is walking up a wall. I've never walked up something that steep before. When we were heading down the hill, we came across another couple that was on their way back up, and we asked them, how hard is this really? Their response was, oh, you're not that fat, so you'll be (laughs) fine. We laughed and figured, okay, well, I guess we look athletic enough to get this done. I think that that was their polite way of saying you'll be fine. Just a very awkward way of saying it. All that to say, make sure to add this to your must-do list, whether you're exploring the east side or the west side of Big Island, because it happens to fall in the northern middle part of Big Island, so you can explore it from either side of the island. We do need to talk about what we wish we could have done. What's one thing you wish we could have done? Four-wheel drive, for sure. I think that we definitely have learned that... Having four-wheel drive outweighs any benefit of having a convertible. Convertibles are nice. They're fun. We don't get to drive them on a day-to-day. But having four-wheel drive for those random, mildly or non-accessible places or beaches is a necessity. You never know when you're going to come across a, a cool adventure on the side of the road. I wish we had gone to the southernmost tip of the U.S. We were so close when we drove from Volcanoes National Park over to Kona, 
but as we said earlier, we didn't realize how much time we were going to spend at Volcanoes National Park, and we just didn't have the time that day. Or the energy. Big Island, with all of its multiple personalities, had a lot to offer. Next week is the episode we've been so excited about because we get to talk about our favorite island, drumroll, Maui. Maui has a special place in our hearts, and if you listen in next week, maybe we can convince you of why that is. If you want to connect or share your Hawaii stories with us, find us on Instagram. 